Hello and welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by Funkinsliff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I'm your host, Scott Dr. Jake Skolfine, musicologist and author of Everything's on the One, the first guy to funk. If you don't have your copy, get on over to Amazon and pick one up. You'll be so glad you did. Whether you're watching the video version of this at Funkinstuff.net or on YouTube or listening to the audio-only podcast version from providers like iTunes and Spotify. As always, I thank you so much for your continued interest and support in the show. Speaking of which, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives. All kinds of goodies you'll get uh, early premieres, and it's all free, so make sure you sign up. Tell a friend, tell family. Also get your official Truth and Rhythm and Funkin' Stuff gear at the FunkinStuff.net store. Cool stuff like I'm wearing right here, Truth and Rhythm shirts, Show your support and love of the show and also the musicians and the music that they represent. Um, also want to give a shout out to the Funk Exhibition Center and Hall of Fame in Dayton, Ohio, of which I'm very proud to be an official Funk Ambassador. Go to thefunkcenter.org to learn more and keep the funk alive. And now, with all that, it's time to get on with the show. Enjoy. Hey, I'm pleased to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership, Alan Evans, co-founding drummer, composer, singer, and producer of the fantastic funk, jazz, soul, groove trio, Soul Live. Along with his keyboardist brother, Neil Evans, and guitarist, Eric Krasno, since the group's founding in the late 1990s, Soul Live has released more than a dozen albums chock full of deep rhythmic and improvisational sonic explorations with stylistic nods, to the Headhunters, Crusaders, Meters, the JB, Stevie Wonder, and other luminaries, the band has brought salvation to those hungry for jam sessions by talented players more interested in musicality than radio or chart success. Al, thank you for joining the show. Hey, thank you. I, I dig the intro, man. <laughs> I do what I can, you know, I gotta do justice, right? Oh, man, we all do what we can. So yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining the show. And uh, where are you coming to us from? I'm coming to you from the lovely Western Massachusetts. I'm, my, I'm at my studio, my recording studio in Irving, Massachusetts, which is about 20 minutes from my house. So, okay. Yeah. And is that where you're uh, from originally? No, ori no. Originally, um, from Buffalo, New York. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. But I've been here. We've been here twenty years, probably close to twenty-one years now. So, okay, time flies. Yeah, I would say that's uh, an adopted home at this point for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 
So, um, how are you doing this this year? Crazy times. To be uh, quite honest with you, I'm doing great. Okay, I'm doing great, man. Uh, so we all know uh, uh, how this year uh, basically started. Um, uh, it's my last. I played my last live show in February. Um, and I just, uh, so after we went into, you know, we started going to lockdown mode, I was out walking with my wife and, and where we live, we're very lucky, uh, in that, um, we can go for, uh, especially when this all started, we were going on, you know, we were doing about six, 10 miles a day walking, most of which, uh, most of the time, we'd run into nobody. See nobody. We're like out in the country, so it's it's really nice that we had that opportunity. But anyway, so at the beginning of it, we were out walking, and I was I was telling her, you know, there's been times in the past, um, especially during the uh, the years of Soul Live, all of a sudden I'd find myself, you know, we'd say, oh, we're going to take like a year off from touring, you know. Or, or six months, a year, whatever it may be. And I'd say, at the, and then all of a sudden, I next thing I knew, I was on, on a tour bus or in a van or on an airplane again. I'm like, what the hell just, what just, what just happened? Mm-hmm. You know, like, wh- what did I do with my time? And so I said at the beginning of this, I don't know how long, you know, we were going to be in this state of, you know, uh, whatever. But what I'm not going to say is at the end of it that I didn't accomplish anything, you know. So I've been so I've been so busy on, on many fronts. Um, I have my record label, so we've been cranking out music. Uh, me, just personally as a, a writer and musician, I've been busy. But also as a studio engineer. Obviously, a lot of people have, have, have all of a sudden become uh, like overnight engineers, <laughs> you know, a lot of musicians. So uh, I've been doing a lot of mixing and, uh, you know, production for people. Um, I, I'm telling you, it's I finally just in the past few weeks, I've started to take weekends off. I've, I've been so busy. It's been it's been nuts. So uh so that's on the work side of things personally i've been good obviously like you know i there were uh, definitely some ups and downs you know just in terms of you know things going on in the world and 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 me and how i process them but overall man i've been i've been really good i mean we're, we're all dealing with we're all been living through unprecedented times so we all i feel that we all have to like kind of let ourselves we have to go easy on ourselves you know i mean like of course there's going to be people are going to get depressed people are going to there's a whole range of emotions that we're all dealing with um so you have to for me it's just about recognizing those it's like okay i'm feeling uh, you know things are i'm a little bummed out whatever okay it's cool just step back, relax, breathe, and yeah. But overall, I've been really good. So, thank you for asking. 
Glad to hear it, Al. And, you know, I think I've, I've talked to a lot of musicians who, you know, it's like two different sides of the spectrum. You know, if you're okay financially, then this period has been sort of like a reprieve for many and, yeah. uh, you know, an opportunity to, you know, uh, recharge and maybe, you know, record some new things and, and take a break from the road and that kind of thing. Those that haven't had, don't have that nest egg, it's been extremely rough. So, yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 definitely. I mean, so for me, uh, obviously, uh, for some time now, I haven't toured as much as, you know, my touring days have definitely kind of, I wouldn't say dwindled, but it, it's um, a little more selective. And over the past, I'd say almost 10 years, I've been more uh, m more of my time spent has been in the studio mm -hmm. as you know engineering for myself and others so so that side of things it wasn't like a it, the, the the funny thing about it actually is that uh, you know Neil was out with Jack White a couple of years ago now so we weren't touring at all uh, we, that was right after we recorded our last um, uh, was cinematics and then literally as soon as that happened neil got neil was in the studio with jack and then got called to go out on the road and then we that was it you know neil was gone so after uh the jack gig ended with uh for neil he wanted some time off because it was like some straight up rock star trap i mean he just he was all over the world like i, I rarely talked to him actually but then we did uh, Bowl Live, and then we had some shows lined up for the spring and summer of 2020. So, so it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Like you know, we hadn't gigged in, in a while, and then we were kind of getting some things lined up, and then all this kind of happened. But with that said, yeah, I already had um, other things going on, and luckily I've been able to kind of continue. Obviously, my studio, people coming and recording in my studio, like, came to a grinding halt, obviously. A lot of people who come to my studio are, travel from other parts of the country or other parts of the world. So that stopped. But I, I was still working. But I've, I've said to people... And and they and a lot of, some people find this a little strange in that I, I've said that the way I've been thinking is I'm preparing myself. I've prepared myself to never play a live show again. Now, with that said, you know people are like, "What are you talking about?" It's, it, for me, it's a it's a it's a mental state. It's how I'm preparing mentally. I I'm lucky enough that. When we go back to playing shows, you know, I'll probably, I'll probably want to sit down and, and kind of get the calluses back going, you know, a, you know, a few weeks beforehand. But I'm able to play. I'm, I'm a, a person, you know. If we play some solo live shows, we'll jump right back in it. You know, we, we've we've taken time off before. You know, there will be a little dust here. We'll jump back in it. But but more importantly for me, it's like I I don't focus. Um, the past or what isn't for me it's like okay this is what's happening right now I need to uh, not even that need to I want to adapt to it 
and I've I uh, I definitely know a lot of people who are having a hard time. Some some people are having a hard time letting go of the fact that yeah, there's no gigs, man, and yeah, it sucks, but. I, I, I'm not going to allow myself to get into a negative space because I can't play a show. It's like, okay, man, like I just have to do something else. I have a family, you know, that comes, you know, they come first. So I need to, you know, I just have to, I have to pivot, you, you know, I have to adapt to the situation. Mm-hmm. With that said, you know, you mentioned, you know, musicians, you know, who are some are doing you know better in this time than others i've spoken to a lot of friends who are work in the music industry tour managers or lighting you know people like and and i'm telling you those people are hurting yeah you know what i'm saying like uh, i you know i spoke to some people who were like before this they were tour managing three or four different you know big acts you know and they're constantly and then all that went away and it's like yeah you're you know what are you doing now? You know, like I'm lucky. I have the studio. I have, um, um, you know, this ability to stay. I've been able to be productive and 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 keep food on the table and the, you know and the roof over our head. It's yeah, man. It's it's tough for a lot of people, like in our industry. So it's like it's not it's not just the musicians. You know, and you know that you absolutely. Know, yeah, yeah. And uh, I feel I feel for you know I feel for them. You know. Definitely. So, Al, let's uh, rewind it back to a little more innocent days when, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. everything was in front of you. And, uh, you know, we had no idea that, uh, you know, this kind of thing would, would be ahead. But, um, you know, how, how did you first get into drums? And what was it like, you know, in the uh, Evans household uh, with you and Neil? Well... Um, I, I have no recollection of, uh, uh, beginning my early days of playing drums. My mother who recently confirmed this because I was speaking with someone else on this, but, uh, I started playing drums when I was nine months old. So, um, so obviously there were drums in the, in the house, but, um, it was, uh, you know, a lot of music in the house. I had no memory of, of starting drum. I remember when I started playing guitar, I was 11, 11 years old. So I remember that. But drums, I mean, I was playing drums really before I could speak. So in, in a way, like that was kind of like, it's like my first language, you know. Was, uh, for a long time, it was definitely easier for me to communicate through music than it was through just spoken word, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up, um, there was a lot of music in the house. Uh, my our father, I'll say, um, was a fantastic drummer. He he wasn't a, a professional musician, but uh, wow, I mean, he could play. I learned. A, a lot from it. I, I didn't really study drums or, or, or music in general, really. But um, he gave us a, so many lessons. So 
one th- this is probably one i I've, I've i've talked about this before and i and i i'll continue to do so because it's so important when we were younger especially neil myself there were, there were four of us in the household our, neil and our sister rachel and uh youngest sister rebecca but neil and i were the ones playing music you know but we all listened to a lot of music growing up anyway in our house there was uh, a front room uh, with just big windows on three sides, and that was the TV room, right? And then uh, next to that was the living room where the stereo was, and then the rest of the house continued from there. So many times, my father would be when we were, I'm talking when we were like toddlers or when we were very young. My father would be in there listening to you know he had his stereo, all the records, and he'd be listening to some music. And all Neil and I wanted to do is go watch cartoons, but we heard the music and we're like, oh man, we're this is going to be a longer process because as we were walking through, my dad would say, hey hey, come over here, sit down, check this out. He'd sit us down, and he'd say. Um, Who's playing saxophone? Who's playing trumpet? Who's playing bass? Who's playing drums? Who's playing piano? And you know, we'd sit there. It's like, oh, that's uh, you know, oh, that Oscar Oscar Peterson. No, that's so and so. You know, like, and so from a very young age, it was um, without us even knowing it, it was a, a really interesting form of ear training, in that we were uh, being taught to really listen like listen to the 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 voice of the the instrumentals or the the musicians um their tone uh their phrasing uh the songs themselves uh and and probably most importantly how they work together as a band so over time we obviously neil and i got better at it um but I never, it was, it took a very long time for me to understand the importance of what he was doing. I'm not really sure it was a conscious um, uh, effort on his part of what he was doing. It was just, it was just fun, you know, like, but it, that it really made us the musicians who we are today, you know? Um, so that's just like one example of like something that would ha- go on in the house, or how music was a such a large part of our our upbringing. You know, um, it was it was just a lot of it was just and it, it was just always fun. It was always fun. Um, like I said, I started playing drums when I was really young, and it was never there was never a point where my parents were like, "All right, you have to go and practice." Like that was never it. it the only if we practice is because we wanted to, and again, it wasn't like a like I'm going to practice this. It was just like we were just playing. We were just playing music. We were just getting better all the time. So I mean, by the time I was 11, 11 years old, 11, 12, I was like gigging, like playing out in clubs, and um, you know, and, and and then all of a sudden I'm here. I'm 46 and still doing it. Like, I never, and that's the thing. I never made the decision like, like I'm going to be a musician. It was just like, just rolled with it. I was just doing it. It's just you know, it's kind of crazy. What, so. What's what's the age difference between you two? 
Uh, two almost basically two years. Yeah, little, yeah. Neil's 40, 44, 46. So, yeah, I don't know when that happened, but <laughs> it right. did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it flies by for sure. Um, so, were you guys uh, into you know jazz initially, or were you into the music of the day, or what was it, what was you know? Oh, what well, it, it was it was everything. So, so my father had a huge jazz collection classical opera but also like you know some good soul records i mean like you know the uh he had the uh, joe cocker and the mad dogs and the englishman like double lp when i was growing up you know uh when we were young we you know i remember that documentary the original you know the mad dogs and englishman movie was on pbs and we like watched it together, you know, like I was like, you know, probably six or seven years old, you know, and I was like, wow, this is great. And then it wasn't until like years later, I watched it as an adult. I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe my parents like, let's watch this. Well, we were just like too young to even know, like, you know, everyone, yeah, it was so over our head. But we were just like, oh, about the music, you know. But um, so then, so there's that side of it. Then we have uh, an older brother. Uh, who Rod is, if I'm 46, so Rod is, wow, Rod's what, 60, 60, mid 60s now? And uh, so Rod was a DJ back in the 70s. He like DJed at this, this, this club in Buffalo, Freedom Train. Like this is like a perfect, perfect name, right? So, so Rod was is, is still to this day he's like a a, a, a stereo uh, what do you go stereophile you know what i mean like uh, i mean he's like got incredible equipment and his music collection is just ridiculous so so we had that side of things where he was hipping us to like you know funk rock reggae like all that stuff that he was listening to um and i mean i remember i remember when off the wall came out you know because because he you know he bought it i mean that was what off the wall 78 79 79 exactly i mean i remember that i remember the first time i listened to headhunters i was like probably four or five years old you know um actually i have a i have a quadraphonic copy of uh, Headhunters. I remember album. that. Yeah, came yeah, out man. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so I grew up with all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then, obviously, as Neil and I um, were growing up, obviously we were like listening to just the music that was going on at the time. You know what I mean? Like my, I literally, I still have the very first vinyl I purchased with my own money which was um, men at work business as usual. Like I, I and, and the only reason why I bought that album, I went to the, the, the record store back in Buffalo it was called record theater. And I walked in, we're just like kind of walking around. And I just remember looking at the album cover. I'm like, wow, that looks really cool. And I just bought it, you know, 1982. Brand, that's when it was new. It was brand new. That's when it first came out. 82. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was the, and I still have that copy. Still have it um so yeah so so then obviously we got you know as we got older there was like you know i was like listening to i mean all kinds of stuff man you know and that was the the thing like with 
my my parents like i said we listened to jazz opera and just all kinds of stuff but as we came into our own and started listening to you know rap you know before they were like calling it hip-hop you know back when it was rap or like we were listening to like suicidal tendencies or like fishbone or bad brains all this kind of stuff like uh you know i was i got huge into hendrix and all, all this stuff my parents if they they never shut anything down you know what i mean no no matter what the i mean like like i said we were like listening to some suicidal tendencies you know like we were listening to that stuff loud you know like and it was never like oh you can't listen to that you know i mean they may not have dug it you know it may not be their thing but nothing was like you know out of bounds you know it's mm -hmm. just it's just mu exploring music um so it, it was just, it was a, a beautiful thing and, and all that definitely courses through your music and a lot of the repertoire that you guys have chosen through the years who who are some of your uh specific drum influences would you say okay well probably it's mm, it's easier for me to kind of go back in time uh when i'd say elvin jones tony williams mitch mitchell um uh clyde stubblefield um yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's so many, you know, but but there was definitely a a time a Buddy Miles. Um, I mean, there's there's so many, but I'd say those have kind of really. I remember those as uh, those individuals kind of waking something up in me, you know, like um, obviously I it, over over time that um you start to hear differently or you know you're i'm kind of influenced by everything now you know but those early on those were probably people that if if i hadn't heard those group those people or wanted to be like them at a certain time i wouldn't be here today i guess you know mm. but yeah yeah and was there someone else you were going to add or well you know the, the thing for me people always find this a little odd when i say it, it's like i never really considered myself a drummer i play drums but i know people who definitely focused on drums you know what i mean like i i mean Honestly, I, I I could go. I have at this point. Like I could go months, six months without playing drums. You know, and I'm like, okay, that's cool, whatever, no big deal. Like I play my guitar. I play, you know, I play other instruments. It's all just music to me. So with that said, I I, I feel that the for me the biggest influences now when I'm able to look back, I guess. The drummers I really dig most were a part of a band, like something. You know what I mean? It was like a, it's a, for me, like, I don't, I, man, 
I don't like drum. I don't like drum solos. Not. No, I, I should. Say, I don't like take dr- taking drum solos. Like I can appreciate some, you know, whatever. But man, if I never play another drum solo in my life, I'm totally fine. Mm-hmm. My, I, I'm. Um, about the my, collective. Yeah. It's exactly. It's about. It's about playing the song. That's all. That that that's all it comes down to. It's the song. Um, so again, going back to when I now you know you, you look at the drummers that I've, have influenced me the most, it wasn't just their drumming; it was what they were, it was the music they were playing, it was the people they were playing with, how they interacted, you know, like. Um, so, yeah, I, I you know I, I guess that's that's the what I'm drawn to, I guess you know so. And it's right in line, I think, with, I mean, you have a relatively, you know, basic setup that you use for your, for your drumming. You know, you, you don't go with the big, ex, you know, extravagant. I had my time never on stage and everyone's lucky. <laughs> but like, you know, I, I've, set, I've definitely set up my like, you know, when I was like uh, way into like Ma Vishnu and I'd set up my big Billy Cobham, you know, double kick drum and all that kind of stuff, you know. I, I did that in the privacy of my own studio with no one listening, <laughs> you know, but just for fun, just to try it, you know. But now I, I always joke. I said uh, anything more than I have just confuses me, you know. So, you know, like I'm, I'm good, you know. Like, no, I, I don't, I don't need a lot. I mean, actually, you know, I have like a, you know, uh, usually just a rack tom and a floor tom. But dude, when there, when there's been plenty of shows where we were flying somewhere or whatever, and there's a. a you know, a drum set that's not really not that happening. Like I'm always, hey, give me a, a snare drum, bass drum, and a hi hat, and maybe a cymbal. I'm good. I don't need any any of that other stuff. You know, I'm actually more excited with less. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, yeah. Makes yeah. it makes it easy easier to be your own roadie. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. Uh, Al, when, when did uh, you and, and Neil first, you know, start really performing in front of people, and what what preceded Soul Live? Ooh, okay, well, um, so I'd say, like I said, um, my earliest memories of playing a show with Neil, we were so we were in in the jazz band. So I was probably about six, fifth or sixth grade, somewhere in there. And we were part of this jazz band at school, the jazz band, concert band, jazz band, marching band. But there was also a jazz combo that and and we would do little things. So it was Neil. Neil was playing vibes. Uh, I was playing drums. Uh, we had a bass player, pianist, uh, saxophone, and maybe trumpet. But anyway, we would get the jazz combo at our school. Would get hired to do like these school uh, uh, these events for say like there would be like um, some administrators' uh, luncheon or something like that, you know, and we'd be off in the corner just playing like Girl from Ipanema and whatever, you know, stuff like that. And then I don't know if this is totally true, but one of the one of the cats in the band was like, "Man, I think I think the band, I think so." There was a band director as well. 
but he would just be kind of like talking with people and we're just playing the music right i was like i think he's getting like like paid i think he's getting paid for these like all of a sudden it got a little gray all of a sudden we were doing these so like, man well, well we should just start doing gigs on our own you know so so we started like like playing like parties for people and doing jazz and then all of a sudden it would kind of morph into like funk and rock as the night went on or whatever but that was like yeah i mean i was probably i mean that was like you know neil was probably fifth fifth grade at that point you know fifth sixth grade so i was like seventh eighth grade whatever doing that but then we also were like we would be gigging um at night like in different clubs and things like that so that was that was a long time ago so uh the sax player in this combo my uh good friend joshua levitt um hit me up one day. Well, so at one point I stopped playing drums cuz I was like really playing guitar. So Neil and I had a band. We had a couple of bands where he was playing drums, I was playing guitar, and we had a bass player. We were like doing like parties and whatever, you know, recording stuff. It was all like kind of rock rock stuff, you know. So anyway, Joshua hit me up. He said one day he says, "Hey man, um so I I find, I'm playing um sax in he was in high school, but he was playing saxophone in the jazz band at Buffalo State College. And he's like, I met this guitarist. I think we should get together and, you know, do some playing. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not even playing drums anymore. I'm playing guitar. He's like, well, I, you know, I think you'd like this guy. So whatever. So I'm like, all right, whatever. After weeks of him trying to get, get me to agree, I said, all right, cool, cool whatever. So we're, he's like, we go, we're going over to Buff State to pick this dude up from his dorm. And as we're pulling up, he's like, oh, man, you know, dude, there's one thing I want to tell you. He's he's bald. I'm like, all right. He's like, well, I just want to make sure, like, I didn't want you to think he was a skinhead. Because so so I'm kind of dating myself now because that was kind of like the thing, you know, back then. There were like, you know, fake skinheads and some real skinheads, you know, like kind of weird stuff going on, you know. So he's like, I just want to make sure you didn't freak out, you know. And I was like, all right, no, I'm cool, man, you know. So it ended up being Peter Prince, who I, so that was the beginning of a band called The Groove, which later became Moonboot Lover, which I toured with quite a bit with Neil. And I mean, we did a lot of touring in the early 90s. Um, and this is before Soul Live. Um, but from that point, it was kind of crazy. So uh, I was... Uh, I guess I was a sophomore in high school when that band started. So Peter would have been a sophomore in college. So when he graduated college, I was graduating high school. And this is actually one point where I had to make a decision. He wasn't from Buffalo. He was just like, all right, I'm just going to split. And so are we going to continue to do this band? I didn't really know. I mean, we were like, and at that point, we were a big fish in a small pond in buffalo so there was us the groove before and then we changed our name when we left buffalo but there was the groove there was a band called mo who i don't know if you've heard of mo Mm -hmm. exactly so we mo yeah mo uh and 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 the groove or which later became moonboot lover all started out in in buffalo at that time and we were just gigging a lot, and then it was just like it was just time for all of us to just move on. 
So then I moved to New York City, was living in Brooklyn, and we were just, yeah, touring hard, man, you know, like, and um, so that ended Neil and I, so, so I obviously graduated before Neil, so I split, and Neil was going to go to Rutgers to study with, uh, oh, who is he going to study with? I can't remember, famous jazz pianist, right? So he was all set. They, you know, he, he was going to Rutgers. And I called him up one day. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? It's like, man, you know, you should really, like, you know, you should come out on the road with us. You know, like, I, I can't believe my parents didn't, like, kill me. <laughs> you know? And so, like, so all of a sudden, Neil is, like, moving out to Woodstock, New York, where we were living then, you know. And then we were on the road, you know. And then that, and we did that until 96, um and uh then i took some time off and then after that i found myself out in san diego playing with the gray boy all-stars and the beginning the uh, first iteration of the carl denson's tiny universe mm -hmm. and did that up until that was 98 97 98 and then i was like done with that and then started soul live in 99 so Wow. Thanks for that history, Al. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so there's another interesting thing though. So I mentioned the band The Groove back in Buffalo. So Neil was in the groove back then. So he was like eighth grade or something like that, you know, playing keys. And we had bass, uh, drums, guitar, saxophone, and keyboards. And and we, like I said, we were doing really well. Like, I mean, and we were going out on the road and stuff like that and come back. And it's, it's kind of amazing. I, I finished high school at all, but I did. Um, but anyway, one day, one night, I should say, we had a big sold out show. We were headlining in Buffalo at this place called the Cabaret. And Pete was, and we were, we were like spinal tap with bass players, man. I'm telling you, like, I don't even know how many bass players that band had. But anyway, so Pete was like, all right, I'm going to go over to Buff State and grab the bass player who was playing with us at the time. He's a gospel kind of dude. He had like, you know, 12 siblings. They were all like all musical or whatever. I don't remember his name. Anyway, so Pete goes over to, to school to pick him up. Neil and I are setting up, you know, getting everything ready at the club. People start to come in, you know, places, you know, getting packed. And then Pete shows up, comes back about 20 minutes later. And he's like, um, yeah, he's uh, we're like, well, where is he? He's like, yeah, he's he's not coming. We're like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, we thought he's pulling our leg. We go outside, you know, he's like, hey, quit the band. So Neil and I walk outside. We're looking around like, oh, this dude is messing with us. He's like, no, oh, dude, quit the band. So that night was the first night. So we were like, the place was packed. It was sold out. Neil took over left hand, left hand base, you know, like at. Like, like I said, he was eighth grade. I think it was like eighth grade, something like that, you know? And that was it, you know? So that's kind of how like, it all started with Neil. Like, now, with that said, Neil had always, he, it, 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 that wasn't like the first time he did it, you know? But he, he always had that mind of like playing. That's just how he played, you know? Like, he just knew all the bass lines of stuff, you know? But man, you talk about just, 
that was crazy. That was crazy. And he rocked the entire show. And then after that, I was just like, well, why do we need a bass player? You know, it's like, we got him, you know? Wow. So, yeah, he's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting <laughs> how that evolved and, mm-hmm. you know, necessity being the mother of invention, you know? There you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. Um, and how'd you come up with the uh, name Soul Life? Interesting. Okay, so... Neil and I had another group, <laughs> another group that I didn't mention yet, called The Elements. And this was, this was like a, a hip-hop group. So it was I was playing drums and recording everything. Um, Neil was playing keys. Um, and then we had an MC, uh, like our, our other brother, a brother from another mother for real, um, Idris Wajid who um, is an amazing artist, visual artist, musical artist. So anyway, we so when we were off the road with Moonboot Lover, Neil and I would travel back to Buffalo and we'd every August. And then we'd set up a studio at my parents' house down in the basement and we would record with Idris. And we recorded like three or four albums or something like that over, over the years. One of the songs was actually Neil and I um, doing some vocals. It's kind of like this back and forth thing, just like basically just talking stuff over this track, you know, like a kind of interlude thing. And for whatever reason, Neil just said, soul. Uh, he said, so, I said, live soul. And he's, uh, and then he said, soul live. Oh, and then I said, live soul. And we were just like, just going back and forth, just talking, you know. And we ended up using, calling that album Soul Live. And then that ended up becoming uh, my recording studio name. Now, this is 95, I think it was. So when I was out in San Diego, years later, um, decided to leave Carl and and the the Great Bowl All-Stars. I'm on the phone with Neil, who... (laughs) Oh, yeah. So Neil was at Manhattan School of Music at this point after Moonboot Lover. And then I called Neil. I said, man, I'm done with this. So we should start a band. So he left Manhattan School of Music. <laughs> Always corrupting his academic I know. career. I know. I'm so bad, man. <laughs> I know. Your I know. temptation. Oh, God, I know. So anyway, so so um, my wife and I, we 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 head back we drove cross country and we met in buffalo neil's there it was right before christmas of 90 that would have been 98 yeah 98 and all right we're gonna start this band neil's like i i got i got someone who could be in the band whatever from i know all right cool well we need a name it's like, oh, we're just like coming up with stuff. And I remember being somewhere in the house and I just heard Neil yelling, yo, I got it. I got it. I ran. I found Neil. He was like so live. I was just like, oh, you mean that old name that we used to, you know, he was like, yeah, so live. I'm like, all right, cool. And that was it. You know, like, so <laughs> it was recycled. <laughs> and and, and uh, when did Krausno get pulled into it? Okay, so. So our so Neil and I decided to, and Kim, my wife, um, decided to move back to the Woodstock, New York area because we were familiar with it from our moonboot days. Neil 
um, met a guy named uh, Nick Mancini, an amazing jazz music vibraphonist. He's like, yo, he should be in the band. So he came up to, I set up a recording studio and uh, up in Woodstock. And uh, yeah, we started recording. And Kim was, you know, we were booking shows for us. And our very first show was in Boston at this place called Bad Girl Studios. Now, before that show, or I think it was even on the way to that show, um, Nick informed us that he didn't, he wasn't going to be able to be a part of the band. He got a gig in, in a Broadway show in the pit. So before our first show, we lost our, we lost one, one of the members of a trio. <laughs> so, so our, our first show has a place called Bad Girl Studios. So, um, Eric, so we knew Kraz from back in the Moonboot days because um, he always used to come out and see us play. And I always, one thing I remember about Kraz, he'd always have a tape with him that he's trying to check, have us check out. And it was always lettuce. So, so, so lettuce goes back further than Soul Live. So, so anyway, so we get to the show, we're playing, and during the set break, Kraz walks up to us, "Hey, yo, guys, what's going on? Like, I heard you were, you know, got, uh, you were in town, and you got this new band, and man, you guys sound great, and, um, you know, you know, I'd love to sit in. Like, hey, right, cool, man, come on up. So, Kraz sat in. After the show, he was bugging out. He's like, man, you guys sound awesome, blah, blah, blah. It's like, and at that point, hey, I guess Nick let us know before that show because Neil and I had already decided to, we auditioned of, of a couple of guitarists. And we had a few more to audition. So I said to Kraz, like, hey, man, you know, we have like some shows lined up like already. Would you mind coming down to our place in Woodstock, learning some songs and and just fill in while we find a guitar player he's like yeah sure no, no problem because he was like in school at the time and he was trying to get into production so so he came down and it was march 2nd 1999 um and, and he you know, we started showing them some songs he brought a tune to the table Re March 2nd and March 3rd, he stayed overnight. We recorded two days, rehearsed, we'll say, but I was recording it anyway. And that ended up being our very first album, Get Down. Hmm. So as we were listening to like the playback of things, we were like, wow, man. It's it, like it all just happened. It all felt so good. You know, it just it just fell into place. And then we were just a band. And we've just been doing it ever since, you know. So, yeah, what, pretty wild. What What was like? Um, you know, do you guys talk amongst each other about what your ambitions were with the group and what your uh, sound? Um, um, what's the word I want? Yeah. You know what your what your what your uh, sonic palette might be like. Well, okay, I'll tell you. There's a there's a few things. So. When Neil and I were in Moonboot Lover, that was the first time I remember. That's so funny. I 
that's when I met my wife, Kim way back. We we've been together since what? 94. So back in moon boot lover, we, you know, we, we were touring a lot, but we weren't like killing it, making a lot of money or anything. We were just like, you know, crashing at people's places and just doing the, you know, the early twenties road thing. One of our stops was new market, New Hampshire. There was a place there called the stone church. And the, the sound engineer, Mike Matteo, um, really dug us and, and, and we formed a friendship. And whenever we would play in town, we would stay at Mike's house. And Kim, my wife, was one of his roommates. But that was the first time I heard Grant Green, uh, Green is Beautiful, the album. And the lot, uh, Grant Green Alive. Matteo just had those like on a on a tape. It was the first time I ever heard like that. And and I remember Neil and I were just fascinated. Like, you know, we grew up listening to like, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Smith, Jack McDuff, you know, down down the line. But somehow, like we, Grant Green that that, you know, that era of Grant Green didn't come through with the household so it wasn't until later that that we discovered it and man when we heard that it just literally just changed everything so whenever neil and i were back in buffalo like after you know we weren't on the road with moon boot we were down in the basement just playing boogaloo you know we have tons of like oh early recordings and neil and i just playing boogaloo so when it came time so so there's that and then i find myself in the gray boy all-stars who i had no clue who these dudes were at all you know what i'm saying like a old my old manager from moon boot lover called me up say hey man there's this band that's looking for a drummer they're out in san diego and i wasn't doing it. i like kind of retired at the time i wasn't you know i wasn't even playing music at all and i was like i don't know who these dudes are he's like oh well you know the sax player He's the one who played the, you know, sax solo on, you know, he plays sax with Lenny Kravitz. I'm like, oh, I know, well, I know those solos. I know, okay, cool, right, right on. So all of a sudden, I'm out in San Diego, playing with the Great Boy All Stars, playing Boogaloo. I'm like, well, this, I, yeah, I know this stuff. Cause I've been listening to it for a few years now, you know. So Al, 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 just sorry to interrupt you, but I just got to ask, when you were with them, did you uh, happen to play ever House of Blues in? Uh, Hollywood. Um, not sure if it was that venue, but I'm thinking I saw the Gray Boy All Stars open for maybe Average White Band or somebody, you know, around that time. And I'm just thinking maybe you were there. You know, I, you know what the the I remember playing in L.A. We did. I remember doing the Hollywood Bowl with the All Stars back then. Uh, I can't. I don't. I definitely remember obviously playing the Belly Up. I'm trying to remember if I if I remember I, I'm I don't remember I don't remember the um pot it's possible I don't mm. remember though okay possible just curious yeah 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 um so when it came time for to so Soul Live really started in San Diego because I had my guitar with me and the very first. I was just writing and I wrote Uncle Junior, one one of our Soul Live tunes. And I was like, man, this is this is cool. Like and I literally was like, I can, you know, I can start a band around this song. And like that's the, the that's, blueprint. 
Yeah, that was the blueprint. So there was a so there was that side of it, the musical side of it. But there was a, another side which I, I kind of feel is just as important, or became almost important when I was with when I was playing with Carl Dentz in the uh, the Tiny Universe. One year we we played the uh, well back then we played the High CR Music Festival, and so that was '98. And the he- the headliner that night was Maceo Parker. Mm-hmm. And so it was Maceo, Fred, you know, Pee Wee, like that that era, of, you know, of the band. And so, you know, I, I don't know if you've been to the High Sierra Music Festival. No. But, it, I mean, it's your classic, like, hippie music festival. I mean, it was the dustiest place on earth. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh, man, it was crazy. But... I remember being out in the crowd and, you know, this is all these band, hippie bands are playing, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden it was time for Maceo to come on. And, and Natasha comes up and, you know, the, you know, starts introducing the band, you know, I remember looking off to the right and I could see Maceo and all those cats on the side of the stage before they come up. And I was like looking over, you know, and by that time it's nighttime, the lights are on. And those dudes walked up on stage and they, I remember them turning and they had on black suits, the crispiest white shirts you've ever seen, black ties. And I was just like, the, 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 the whole, they, they literally changed the entire vibe of the, of the festival, you know, like, it was just like, all of a sudden it was like, like, like I said, it was like, it's like a big hippie fest, you know what I mean? So like a lot of times you couldn't discern the, the band on stage from the people in the crowd, you know what I mean? It, it was just like, all, and, but and all of a sudden it was just like, wow, like they just changed everything, like changed the entire vibe. And I was like, I want to do that. So that was like the one thing when we started so live, I was like, we're going to wear suits. Like, I, dude, like back in Moonboot, we were like, I was not wearing suits. Trust me. You know what I mean? Like most time I didn't even have a shirt on. You know what I mean? Like I had like dreads and like, you know, like no shirt. Like we were wild, you know? And so, but then I was like, man, I just want to do that because it was just like, there was just something about like how it made me feel as being a part of the audience. You know what I mean? It was like, I felt like I was witnessing something i was a part of something special you know what i mean like professionals yeah exactly exactly and the, again the funny thing is i mean we neil and i grew up listening to all this jazz we knew all the album cut we knew that the deal but to bring it into this world of and so using our our, our names from the moon boot days because like you know that's when I met like O'Teal and Jimmy, like, you know, the aquarium rescuing unit, we were doing a lot of shows together. Like, so we kind of like brought, you know, all these, you know, all of a sudden it was like, Oh, Al and Neil have a new band. And it wasn't like a jam band, you know what I mean? But it was like, so all of a sudden we'd show up, you know, we'd sound check and we're just in our t-shirts or whatever. And then next thing you knew, like we come out on stage and we're just wearing suits. Like people are just like, what the hell? I was like, that's, awesome that's what i wanted to and it just grabbed people's attention you know what i mean so it was a combination of the music and just how we presented ourselves on stage and also it was just like the time was just right you know like i mean schofield came out with a go-go you know like um charlie hunter was doing his thing you know so there was 
the MMW, you know what I mean? Like the timing was just right for us. You know, we just, we just kind of lucked out, you know, right place, right time, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So you had the, yeah, you had the, the whole vibe, you know? Oh yeah. Well, so, so the funny thing is, so on our way to the first, our first gig with Kraz, Kraz didn't have a suit. We, so we stopped at Goodwill <laughs> like and that's and so that's that's the thing like back in the day like all we we were we were going through suits like crazy but we were always shopping at goodwill or you know salvation army you know that's like you know like it's so funny to look at photos of us not you know back then like oh man that suit did not fit at all you know like <laughs> golly so it was nice like once we signed the blue note then all of a sudden we had like suits made for us you know we were definitely like up the game then you know but uh. <laughs> wow. Thank mm-hmm. you.